We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and pull to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and your vandal affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host chris hammond and with me today i have the best of all time alex the Bo boatman how are you doing alex fantastic love being here and the professor Brian Marceau. How are you doing, Mr. Marceau? Every time we're talking Vandal Sports, or at least not one of the sports, it's a great time. It gets and it gets better and better. <laughs> and running the show from the shadows, producer Dammer. How are you, Dallas? I am fantastic. This it's starting to set in. We might actually see Idaho football, and mm-hmm. nothing makes me happier. Yeah, we have uh, 18 days as of YouTube recording. For those of you joining us live on YouTube.com, backslash touch the club, or if you're listening to us live or, you know, in podcast format, it will be 16 days. Um, But, boys, we're back. It's starting to feel like a football season. I mean, it just feels amazing. How is everybody's week going? Are we holding back the anticipation here, or, or is it about to boil over? I am doing my best to hold back just because part of, you know, part of all of us are living through extending the lost decade, hopefully turning the lost decade around, you know, effective February 27th. But for all of us living through that, we are used to bad news, but I am getting to the point slowly that I'm starting to look at calendar and say, I'm watching football on February 27th, aren't I? I don't know about you guys. I'm watching football this weekend. McNeese State. Tarleton State, the whack is back, kind of. Well, it's getting there. We have I was I watched the Super Bowl on Sunday, which by the way, like so it's just sad, you know. I mean, that game was just never that good, but I'm like, man, I gotta wait until September, August. Well, I'm like, wait a minute. No, I don't. I have Vandal football, I have FCS football starting up like in weeks, in days. And, and yeah. you know, might not be watching the game this Saturday, but next Saturday, I think it's the best week one, week zero, whatever week you want to call it game. South Dakota State at Northern Iowa, top 10 matchup right off the bat out of Missouri Valley. And like I said on our last show, I think that game's going to matter a lot to a lot of us big sky folks on who gets that maybe uh, who gets an at large bid to oh, the tournament. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just jacked. If you can tell. And, dude, I mean, you, you touched on it. Usually Super Bowl ends, and everybody's kind of like, dude, I don't even care who wins anymore or who lost. Like, right. crap, football is gone, you know? Not this time. No, we got football this weekend, three-day yeah. weekend. The weekend after that, we have Saturday and Sunday. The weekend after that, we have Saturday and Sunday. We have Saturday and Sunday for like four weeks just to get you in the mood that there's still football. And then we got Saturday all, or all the way through May. And then you basically hit, we're off June, go enjoy your summer. July, we're back previewing the freaking fall season. What more can Vandal fans ask for? I know what they can ask for. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack. An ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 
supporting organizations like the CW Hawks and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Sacks, the Light American Lager for Pow Pow Rippers, Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Around the Bar, brought to you by our new sponsor, Hughes River Expeditions. They're not new to the show, but they're new to being a sponsor. So if you didn't take their ad read serious before, take them serious now. Boys, around the bar, let's just let's, let's break down the the parameters before we really start deep diving into how do we think this big sky is going to go. Professor, I've already filibustered like I usually do. How about you lay out the parameters for the fine folks at home? I'm game to take over the filibuster trophy starting right now. Watch the clock. I'll be done in 12 minutes. So spring season <laughs> parameters, really just a few things that are different, guys. It's, it's a regular football season but shorter and first six total games. All, all the games are going to be conference games, which means no out-of-conference games. If you've been following us for a while, you know that, but that is something that will look different this year. No out-of-conference games. We just start conference games right when we begin, kind of like basketball season, really. The conference built in two bye weeks, week four and week, week eight. Now, week yes. eight is not precisely a bye week because all the, the conference games should be done by then. But those bye weeks do allow for rescheduled games, which if you've been paying attention to basketball season, actually rescheduling games has kind of been a sore subject. And the conference has some time built in for the rescheduling, which is great. One thing that's a little surprising, it might be disappointing, but I'm not going to live in the world of disappointment because I'm just happy we have a season. Not every team is going to play everyone. Now, the way that's going to work, even though we have eight teams playing, every team is going to open their season and close the season with the same team. It's essentially a version of a protected rival. Like for Idaho, we open with Eastern and close with Eastern. Weber State's going to open with Idaho State and close with Idaho State. It's played as a home and home. So if we host Eastern first, then Eastern will host at the end of the season. That was done to make sure every team could get to the six games, but also to mitigate travel costs because a lot of those protected rival games are drivable. Again, Eastern Idaho. Eastern Washington to Moscow or Pocatello to Ogden drivable saves teams money. And we're only going to talk about this one time because these are the guys sitting out. So there's nothing else to talk about. Eight teams are playing. The teams that are sitting out are Montana, Montana state, Portland state, Sacramento state, Sac state was the first team to drop out. That was a long time ago. And the most recent addition, the long grass of Greeley will not be playing in the spring season, Northern Colorado and Ed McCaffrey. We're going to have to wait until the fall to see and coach McCaffrey and Dylan McCaffrey's first game at Northern Colorado. Which that's a whole different conversation about Northern Colorado might be a, well, I, I brought this up. We'll get into our schedule here, obviously later, but I think I can bring it up because we'll be diving Idaho's actual spring schedule. When we talk next week, the fact that we were supposed to open with Northern Colorado and I feel like we dodged a bullet. Having Dylan coming in, I believe as a transfer, he would have been eligible because I don't think he played enough games in the fall. Could be wrong there, but either way, Ed McCaffrey's got that team going. Maybe not enough to be a Big Sky champion off the bat, but enough to where you definitely don't want to be the first team to play them with no film. There's no tune-up games. There's no D2 game. There's no nothing. It was just you're coming in and you have no idea what it's going to be, and they've got like three or four, like three Michigan transfers in the last two years, like, we dodged a bullet there. But, I mean, all in all, guys, real quick, let's try to keep it you know, brief before we really break down the sky. 
Big Sky schedule. What do you conference? Good job, bad job. How, how do you grade the schedule? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, some schools got off easier, <laughs> Weber State, um, th than others, and I, I guess that's what they get by pairing, you know, every team with their closest closest team as a home and away. But I, I, I'm gonna hit on the open week parts. Those are massive. I mean, I'm sure all of us watched. We'd all love to be playing eight games or have a non-conference option or whatever because we just want to see more football. Mm -hmm. But we have to be realistic for what where we're at and what's going on. We saw in the fall, how many times did we see like an SEC team, you know, or an ACC team have to postpone and they had to postpone like another game. Like having that open week could be massive. Those open weeks could be massive, if uh, especially when it comes to playoff time. You know, maybe at the Missouri Valley – all their, their teams have to cancel like two or three games. We're going to get all our games in. So, and I think then this will have a clear, if not another tied conference champion. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about conference champion, right? We did this with our Big Sky preview back in the fall with Taylor Barton of Root Sports. We're going to do it now. Um, snake draft. We are going to draft number eight through number one, how these teams are going to finish. And whoever picks them, that is basically solely their opinion and their opinion only. So don't hold the rest of us at bay for what one person might say. But we all have opinions on that team and maybe where they'll place. And with that, we will turn it over to Commissioner Dowshammer with the first pick in the spring 2021 preview draft. Man, you killed me, Hammond. I had a whole line written out for that. Oh, man, Chris. Oh, no. <sighs> that rewind, man. rewind. Hey, I can cut it for the audio version. The YouTube there, people hey, will there just we be go. in on the joke. With the first pick, choosing position number eight in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring Football Preview Draft, Alex, the boat boatman, mm -hmm. selects... Southern Utah Thunderbirds, man. I, I think I think this is something we, we all can agree on. Um Southern Utah, not returning a whole lot. Last year uh, in conference play, they went two and six, four-way tie for last. Um, their, their head coach is back, but all of our research, we can't figure out who their starting quarterback is right now, which that is never good, I guess, unless unless the coach is trying to keep it a secret. Um, not, not sure if he is, um, but last year, Tyler Skidmore, he'll be a sophomore this year. He saw a couple starts. And it's crazy. This is what the, is weird about the Big Sky is they won the conference what three, four years ago, and now yeah. all of a sudden they're going to be perennial dumpster team for the next season or two. Um, you know, a couple people look out for they have a third team all Big Sky and DB Carlton Thomas. That'll probably be more attention to us as we see who our wide receivers can go against, and then they have a third team offensive lineman also all Big Sky uh, Braxton Jones. So. Those are really one key returners. It's looking a little bleak for the Thunderbirds as they open up uh, uh, at, at NAU. Yeah, on the road in the Sky Dome to start off the year. So looking at their schedule, not too bad, but I don't, I don't see them. Maybe one in one game on there. Yeah, when we're leading with third team uh, all uh, sorry, third team all big sky offensive lineman as yeah. your returning guy. And I mean, look, we uh, look at Idaho, we know offensive line absolutely matters, and we have a special teams offensive lineman on the show, Alex. If I'm correct, mm. I gotta wear a nice number. I never had to block anyone, thank god. I'd, <laughs> okay, but anyway, if you're if you're going if you're diving that deep to yeah. try to talk about the players returning, it's because there's no one returning. 
And, you know, Alex, you hit on the thing that I think is just wild to think about at Southern Utah. It was three seasons ago. They want to share the conference title. Yeah, they got killed by Weber State in the playoffs. But uh, to get to the playoffs, a team like Southern Utah probably has to win the conference, and they did. Fast forward to now, it, they have three conference wins since the their championship run a couple years ago. They, there's really It's hard to know what else to talk about because even the wins they got last year were not what I'd call great wins. One was against Idaho State when Matt struck through like four touchdowns to Southern Utah. So – yeah, I think this is a slam dunk glass pick. It is unfortunate for the rest. When we look at strength of schedule, Southern Utah is going to run into the biggest problem that really they uniquely will face, which is on their schedule. They don't get to play themselves. So no question. That means that, you know, every week they're going to have a rough matchup. I think this is a pretty brain dead last place pick. Yeah, you know, my, my fine, kind of final takeaway on this is, I was going to be edgy and probably put somebody else here just to make the show interesting. Why I probably wasn't granted the first pick. Um, but you're looking at it. I did my my ranking on strength of school here with a very, very secretive formula that I refused to release to the public. Um, I had Southern Utah with the fifth toughest schedule, uh, meaning like not the hardest. They're, they're towards the middle. Um, yeah. Actually have an easier schedule than Idaho, UC Davis, Cal Poly, and Idaho State. That being said, obviously, that's kind of impressive that the fact that they don't play themselves. So that's where I go. If Southern Utah is to make improvements, they do have a very easy schedule. When you look at Cal Poly transitioning and a U with a terrible defense, uh, you look at Idaho State that's going to be struggling, and then NAU again. Like they got they they have room to maybe have a show. If you're looking at playmakers, you're looking at maybe running back uh, Thomas Duckett. He had some good performance last year uh, playing in nine games. And you have Lance Lawson, a wide receiver who's a junior who also had some okay production, but neither of them jump off the page at you. But if you're looking for guys that probably need to jump off the page this year for them to be good, those are kind of my two picks for dudes. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. I was trying to be edgy. They're, they're the worst team in the sky going in this year. But to be I, fair to them, we said the same thing about Sac State last year. Yeah, you except know? Southern Utah gave up 39.9 points a game last mm-hmm. season. I mean, if if they're – they essentially have to turn over both sides of the ball because they were the third worst offense in the conference last year paired with the – actually, only fourth – Oh, man. Sorry. Sorry. Breaking news. 35 points a game, not 39.9. But anyway, they're towards the bottom of the conference in every major stat. And they're, I mean, maybe it's, maybe this is positive turnover where if you get new players that we don't know about, again, Southern Utah doesn't have a ton of media coverage, that maybe just the fact of having a new guy means it's not going to be worse than the old guys. You know, like Chris Helbig was their quarterback. He had a nice arm, but he transferred to Eastern Michigan. Don't really know how. I think he, maybe he's a, a real grad transfer where he's just studying something. But, uh, I, I I just think there's no hope in Art Echo Stadium unless you like their classically red track, in which case there's always hope. Yeah, I mean, with their schedule, I do think they could have they could play them way play their way out of last place because they have to do play NAU and Idaho State. Spoiler alert on who we're probably going to pick the next couple picks, but because they do have to play NAU twice and Idaho State, theoretically, if they grab one or two of those games, they might play them play their way out of last place. So. All righty. With the second pick, choosing position number seven in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring Football Preview Draft, 
Brian, the Professor Marceau selects. I had a Freudian slip when I was talking a second ago when I gave you Idaho State scoring defense in Southern Utah spot. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Idaho State. And re- really, if you listen to Rob Fennessy last year, he believes Idaho State was a quarterback away from being a solid team. They finished tied for last place. It's like a four or five way tie for last place last season, two and six in conference. If you look at their schedule, essentially won two games early. And then they had a real rough two months <laughs> closing out the season, blowout after blowout after blowout. We already talked about the Matt struck throwing touchdowns to the other team in a, <clears throat> it had to be a historic way last season this year. Uh, fingers crossed for Idaho state, I guess. And Rob fantasy, because Rob fantasy, whether he knows it or not, it's a friend of the show. Uh, they have Wyoming transfer Tyler Vanderwall, who, uh, you know, hey, fingers crossed, he's an FBS product. Maybe that's the talent they need. They definitely lost positional talent in uh, Mitch Guller graduated and uh, Mikey Dean graduated as well. I think Ty Flanagan, but thank God Mike Dean graduated. God, <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess he haunts my nightmares from 2018. Sorry, you know, the, uh, the difficult thing for Idaho State though is if they're good. It's players that we haven't seen that are going to be on the roster because they have no returning all big sky players. We can't even dig deep into, you know, their punter or something like that. Idaho State just has no no great talent returning. They lost a ton of talent at the position at the positions. And they play Weber State twice. And uh spoiler alert for the future, they also play us. So I just don't see a lot of hope, which is kind of disappointing mm-hmm. for to me because I would love the school with King Spud to you know be competitive and we again we really like rob fantasy but i i don't i just don't see he's like i said he said they were quarterback away last year i don't see it yeah um i, I guess i i do like idaho state they could finish last i go see idaho state you know look at their schedule oh, that's a tough schedule man <laughs> i think they might finish last actually i wish to go with them as last wow uh but Rob Fennessy's good. That team, they, Idaho broke Idaho State last year. <laughs> if you go look at what happened, we beat them 45-21. They didn't win a game the rest of the year. And they got within one score, one time, and that's when they played NAU, I believe. And that was when they lost by six. And I drafted yeah, Matt Colorado. Struck. That's when they played Northern Colorado. Matt Struck, now he's Petrino's problem. And when I mean Petrino, I mean Bobby Petrino. Matt Struck now plays in Missouri State. So – it all it all comes full circle, but man, I think as a team, I probably like Idaho State better than Southern Utah. I think I like the coaching staff better. Um, we've seen them do more, I, I guess. Um, but that schedule is brutal. Um, I, five of their six games are against teams that I, I view finishing in the top half of the conference. So, good luck to the Bengals. All righty. With the third pick, choosing position oh, number six. On. Let me, Whoa. let me, let me. Sorry, I've lost track. Let oh, me sorry. comment on on the Bengals here. That was on me. I was like sitting there thinking Brian hadn't gone yet or something. Forgot he went first. Um, so Idaho State, I I think you nailed it, right? Like they've lost Matt Struck. They've lost both Gellers. They might lost Mike Dean. Um, they've on their third quarterback in three seasons. All in all, I think you nailed it. I trust his coaching staff a little bit more than Southern Utah's. I just think it's unfortunate that it's just not going right. to come together this year. They got murdered in the schedule. In my rankings, for, for people that are, that are interested, even though no nobody is, um, they have the number one toughest schedule. 
Their average strength of schedule is 34.5. That's two points higher than Cal Poly. Uh, on average, they are playing about the 5.75 toughest team on it. So it's not even fair. I don't think they're necessarily the seventh worst team, but I think when you play Weber twice, there's no way you're sneaking up on both of them, so you at least have two losses. Then you have Eastern, and you have Idaho. And yes, they're at home, but like, those are two teams you don't want at home. I mean, you I mean, you want them at home, but you also want somebody at home you're going to win against. The fact that you have Weber, Eastern, and Idaho, both of which are, are all three are Athlon top 25 teams, sucks for Idaho State. They're mm-hmm. just it, – it's not going to work out for them. Um, if you're looking at it, you've got Rango, a guy that at running back that could probably make a little bit of room – uh, and, and get this team going, but uh, you, you still have um, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Tanner Connor, senior wide receiver. So you've got you've got those guys. They can maybe put something together if Vanderwall can give them the ball. They might look better than number seven in the conference, and it's only going to benefit them going in the spring. But this, or sorry, fall. But this spring's a wash. I mean, that they got murdered in the schedule. Their only winnable game is Southern Utah. Uh, and it's at the road in week two after probably getting beat up by Weaver. I just, man, this sucks. I mean, I'd like to say they could probably beat Southern Utah, but I see somehow mm-hmm. Southern Utah winning that game at home. Idaho mm-hmm. State maybe finishing eighth, uh, which yeah. which just sucks because they're not the eighth worst team. It's just yeah, they got they got they, they got they got burned in the schedule. They got, they got absolutely. I don't know what they did to Dan Satter and Tom Wiesersill, but they did not get any favors. With this yeah. schedule, and that's for sure. I guess. Uh, sorry. I guess when I was looking at this schedule real quick, I was looking at us. I'm like, you know, could they maybe sneak one past us? I guess that's just my the the Holt Arena memory that haunts me from 2018. And then I went and looked at our schedule, and I saw we play Southern Utah the week before because I was like, I know we play Eastern at, at last week, so could it be like a sandwich game, kind of a game that makes you go to sleep? And I'm like, no, wait a minute. There's still a lot of guys in this team that remember that feeling in Pocatello in 2018. And, and we talk a lot about, like, who's our rival, who's our rival. We have our opinions as fans. These players hate Idaho State because of the way we kind of got introduced to them. And also they're our same state. Even though we're closer to Eastern and Montana, for some reason a lot of our players have a lot of hate for Idaho State because of what they did to us in 2018. And I think uh, every year they like to take it out on them. So, yeah, I was like, could they sneak one past us? You know, just trying to be play a little devil's advocate. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. I don't see that even ha- coming close down the whole on April, April 3rd. To recap, that's 8th, Southern Utah, 7th, Idaho State. Now with the third pick, choosing position number 6 in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring Football Preview Draft, Chris, the man with no nickname Hammond, selects... <laughs> uh, the Cal Poly Aggies. Mm. Sorry, Mustangs, Mustangs. Different kind of horse, same state. Um... First-year coach, Bo Baldwin. Yes, he's got it. And I'm not saying Bo Baldwin's a bad coach, but you were trying to take a triple-option team mm-hmm. and turn them into a spread, no-huddle, air-it-all-around-the-yard type of team. Now, do I think he can do it? Yes. Did the pandemic benefit him? Yes. But people forget he only took that job in about uh, December-ish last year. For those of you that don't remember, he offered C.J. Jordan about a week into getting the job. Luckily, C.J. Jordan was about a week from signing with the University of Idaho, and we did not lose him. Thank God. I think he'll – that was good for us. Um, last year, 
you know, they were two and six in the sky. Um, they actually had a quarterback that was pretty stinking good in Jalen Hamler. I was a big fan of him, drafted him multiple times on big sky, big takes, uh, but doesn't necessarily seem like a guy who's going to come back. They also have a third team inside linebacker in Matt Shotwell. So the pieces are there. Uh, the unknown is quarterback. Is it Jalen Hammer or is it going to be the Fresno State transfer Hunter Racket? Uh, most people are thinking Racket, which then leaves to me. Uh, you got to play UC Davis twice, possibly a dark horse team. How does this offense transition from the triple option from being ran under Hamler to now a spread system being run under Hackett? I or Racket? I, I just don't think the pieces are there right now for it to work. I also am not convinced that Hunter Racket is the guy, and I'll go on record on saying that. I was very impressed with Jalen Hamler as a guy who runs the tri or the triple option. He showed a lot of stinking promise at the quarterback position, um, especially in offense like that. So then the secret is, if you have a guy like that, you're not going to leave him on the bench. How do they incorporate Jalen Hamler? He's still on the roster as a quarterback. Does he maybe make the transition to running back? Does he maybe make the transition to wide receiver? Or does he run as a Troy Anderson, Kevin Cassis kind of, or Johnson just – everywhere kind of player run the wildcat, you know, everything like that. Kind of what we thought Chauncey smart might be for our Idaho listeners. And then we're also hiding the fact that they have a redshirt junior six to 215 pound, just stud Zoe trans Sampson, who was playing kind of that fullback wingback position. Who's probably going to be transitioning into full blown halfback. Now is he about to become the best running back in the conference? Now that it's no longer a gimmicky pitching system, he can just run downhill. I think they have a lot of promise, but the problem is, a 6'2", 215-pound running back does not fit what Bo Baldwin is trying to do. And that's why I think there's just too much talent on this team that does not fit what they're trying to do. And that's why I think Cal Poly, honestly, I actually would put them behind Idaho State. Maybe, like I just don't think it comes together this year. Watch out for fall when the guys he got in from a full-year recruiting get in. But I'm out on this spring. I don't think Cal Poly is going to be very good. Six is generous. They're a toss-up, no question. Now, I'm going to push back on Jalen Hambler. Jalen Hambler is the talented quarterback because, I mean, I saw him against Idaho. I thought he looked, I, as far as a guy who would have to pass the ball more than 12 times a game, I I didn't feel like that that awe-inspired seeing him. But uh, if there's a coach or an offensively inventive guy who's going to figure out how to make him a weapon because he absolutely is a good athlete, you know, I mean, Bo Baldwin certainly has a pedigree of, you know, capitalizing on the talent he has. The, the concern I, I would have if I'm a Cal Poly Mustang fan, other than that this has one of like the worst or least entertaining announcing teams in the nation, uh, well, it will now because they can't bitch about not passing, is defensively Cal Poly was deceptively bad last year. I know this just from having you know written for the Montana Mint covering it. Cal Poly was probably the least efficient defensive team in the nation in at least the big sky relative to the amount of time they dominated uh, possession and how quickly they gave up points. So Chris, I'm with you on having not that much faith. I mean, for us, I mean, teams eight through six it easily flip, but I'm going to say, I certainly have most more trust in Bo Baldwin to, you know, recruit somewhere like Cal Poly so I'm going to just say they get a faith-based vote to be above the bottom. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess we're putting our faith in Bo Baldwin here for them to finish above the bottom. And do I think, again, do I think Idaho State might have a better roster prepared for what they want to do right now than Cal Poly? 
potentially, but Cal Poly doesn't have Idaho State's schedule. <laughs> even though they do have to play, even though Cal Poly does have to play Weber, does have to play Eastern, they get Southern Utah, they get NAU, um, and also they get another team that's probably going to maybe finish middle of the road in UC Davis, potentially. They can maybe try to flip one of those games. And maybe what we see week one from Cal Poly looks a lot different by April 10th. So so just to plug my super secret formula, I refuse to release to the public. Cal Poly is yes. the second toughest strength yeah. of schedule. And put it, I put it in perspective, they were only two points behind Idaho State. To put the next thing in perspective, both those schools are five points. Sorry, Cal Poly is five points behind UC Davis and Idaho, which tied for the third toughest. So it's a significant difference between the first and second toughest and everybody else. So keep that in mind that it might not look it, but as as far as when they're home, when they're away, who they're playing at both, according to my super secret formula, they have the second toughest schedule and it's not even really that close to third. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to factor into the finish of sixth. And when we're talking about these bottom three um, – bottom three teams, I think they can all, all go interchangeable or finish tied for last um, potentially kind of thing. And if I had to maybe redraft my redraft, I would might have put Idaho State last because I'll strike the schedule, period. But Southern Utah is so bad, and I, I guess I just trust Bo Baldwin to get a Cal Paul and maybe just a little bit ahead of the, those other two. And, and you know what, just just so for Vandal fans to be interested, Hunter Rackett was a guy University of Idaho was recruiting – prior to signing cj jordan so i mean again that doesn't mean racket's going to be the what we you know what bo baldwin probably needs him to be if if cal poly is going to be okay but certainly a guy who, who has talent both both you know with the with the arm and the legs so again faith-based vote fingers crossed but wouldn't expect it certainly wouldn't be confident enough to say anything above where we have him with the fourth pick, choosing position number five in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring Football Preview Draft, Brian Marceau selects. Oh man, I really wish that I could go with the other with the the team that I would pick <laughs> next, but I'm going to have to go Northern Arizona. Yeah. Now, there. Now, this is another team that we actually should. I for, we should forgot to say this in framing the season. There's only one returning starting quarterback in the entire Big Sky. That's Eric Berrios. So you guys are going to hear every single team. There's a question at quarterback. Northern Arizona is absolutely there. They have some of the better. Well, actually, for the spring season, Northern Arizona probably the jury's in. They have the best wide receivers and you know first uh, second team Brandon Porter, and he didn't make a team, but he's pre- he's a real good freshman. Hendricks Johnson. Casey Everett from NAU Big Sky Podcast gonna be happy we threw those out there. But there's absolute position, uh, position strength, the skill positions for Northern Arizona. Who is gonna get the ball of them is a real question. We have no real news out of there. Keandre Woodty is a redshirt senior, but I feel like a redshirt junior because he'll be back for the fall too. He's a transfer from Oklahoma State. Who when he the little bit he played looked like he is much more of a threat with his legs and his arm. So we're going to see what what the actual starter there is. But the thing that was catastrophically bad in at the end of last season, and Vandal fans know this from the way we closed our season out, NAU gave up around 40 points a game on defensive end. Now, NAU fans will tell you that's because they had a catastrophic level of injury to deal with. And you know what? Maybe that's true. But 
Yeah, sorry, I I, I soft sold this guys. They gave up forty three point four points per game in conference last season. Um, pretty hard to win if you're giving up six touchdowns a game. If Northern Arizona doesn't have significant improvement on that side of the ball, and shockingly, the team that gave up 43.4 points per game has no returning all Big Sky players. To me, that's really more important than who replaces Case Cook is. is if they're not going to stop anyone, then probably doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if Vandal fans do remember um, what happened last November, our one of our more historically bad offenses dropped 60 on it, you um, made some turn on a career game. You know, props to him. That was a good way for those seniors to go out. But if our offense was to put up 20 points a game, pretty much goes and drops three times their average. That tells you how bad your defense is. Um, and, you know, looking at Case Cocos's numbers, man, that's that's also a really tough to place. You know, he career wise, he threw 12,000 yards, 105 touchdowns, and 21 ints. That is actually really impressive to see and also fun fact about case cookies has his own wikipedia page very rare you find find that from an fcs level quarterback so that's my fun fact about case cookies um yeah i like where they finish though you know their schedule they get southern utah twice that's their saving grace and then also they get to play cal poly um so they have they can play the teams that and chris has strength of schedule rankings, the teams that have the worst two schedules and teams we've also picked to finish last below them. So yeah, somehow NAU could finish three and three and that seems pretty on par for what they should probably do this year. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the tough part for NAU is they're still transitioning from a head coach. Uh, you know, they finally moved away from a longtime coach last year to hire Chris Paul uh, former Mike Price prodigy, for those of you up in the Palouse. Um, the problem is their defense was just straight up terrible. Uh, you're looking at their, their schedule last year against you're, – you let 23 against Missouri State. You let uh, 65 against North Arizona, 21 against Western New Mexico, less than D, D1, uh, 40 against Illinois State, 49 against Montana State. 23 against Northern Colorado, 20, 51 against Weber State, who is not a strong offensive team, uh, 29 against Portland State, 66 against Eastern Washington, 38 against Sac State, 31 against Southern Utah, and 60 against Idaho. Their defense was terrible, and not necessarily against strong offensive teams like Idaho and Weber State and Montana State last year, and Portland State for that matter. Just The defense was not there. This is all with probably the best quarterback in program history in case Cook is being a doc, getting his doctorate for the Lumberjacks. It just leaves me to have little faith on how this transition is going to go this year. I, I think all in all, they're a good team. Chris Ball has had some of the best recruiting classes. I believe right now they're number two in the entire FCS behind Deion, what Deion Sanders is doing in Jackson State. None of those players will reflect this season, which makes it kind of weird because next year they could be in a very different spot entering the fall season when those guys can enter the, the fold. But right now they're going off, you know, one year Chris Ball, which was still an impressive class, but not quite like this 21 class they've just brought in. End of the day, they do have the second easiest schedule, tied for second easiest schedule yeah. in my strength of schedules. So maybe they're able to pick up wins. Maybe this spot's a little too low because they do have favorable. They should beat Southern Utah. They'll have a shot against Idaho. 
probably not beat Eastern. They got a shot against Cal Poly. They should beat they should beat Southern Utah both times. So you're really looking at guaranteed losses or Eastern and Weber. Everybody else will have a shot in. So if there's that team that's going to be the Sac State that kind of comes out of nowhere. It could be NAU. I don't think it will be, but I didn't think Sac State would be it last year or UC Davis the year before. So it happens. Or Southern Utah or Portland State. Somebody always comes out of nowhere. It could be NAU. Yeah. To recap, that's eight, Southern Utah, seven, Idaho State, six, Cal Poly, five, Northern Arizona. With the fourth pick, or excuse me, with the fifth pick, choosing position number four in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring Football Preview Draft, the boat selects. The University of California at Davis, the Aggies. We always love to play in Aggies, don't we, um, when you're Idaho. But, yeah, you know, this talk, – talk about UC Davis. I was thinking, man, like, should I go with Idaho here? Should I go with Idaho? Is that is that more realistic? Um, I just thought, man, no way, man. I'll, we can talk about Idaho a lot next week. Um, and I was like, no, nah, UC Davis, they lost a lot. Um, lost Jake Meyer, their quarterback, was there for – I know he started for at least two years, if not three. Um, they just lost their OC to Boise State this you know, January when Boise State hired their new head coach in Andy Avalos. So now they lost a play caller, Cody Hawkins. If that sounds familiar, it's Dan Hawkins' son, and Cody started for him at quarterback at Colorado when Dan was there in the mid-2000s. They do return first-team All-Big all Sky DB and Dion King and the second-team All-Big Sky running back and Ulonzo Gilliam. Um, I know Chris has some more info on who their quarterback is going to be, but I want to kind of talk about UC Davis last year. Kind of, uh, I guess, a disappointing year. They finished five and seven, three and five in conference. They were head and shoulders picked second above everyone else to finish to finish second in the conference last year in the preseason polls. But man, they they just they they got they were so unlucky. They fin they finished. They had played eight teams in 2019 that finished above 500. And kept him close, and they ended up playing North Dakota State on the. They played North Dakota State on the road, lost by eleven, lost to Montana State by ten. Sacramento State, who was ranked fourth at the time, by ten. They lost Weber by sixteen. That was their worst loss of the year. They lost to Montana. They lost Montana by twenty-five. But they played Cal, who finished nine and three in the Pac-12, lost by two touchdowns. Um, they, they were they were screwed in pretty much by the time they played Weber and the Montana State and Sac State. Um, it was they had kind of mailed in at that point, and their season was kind of over. Um, so I don't I don't know how good this team's going to be. They could be really good. We've seen what Dan Hawkins has done within the last couple of years. He could keep it up, you know. And Dan Hawkins, in his time at UC Davis, is twenty and sixteen as the head coach there. So five and six, ten and three, and then five and seven. So this team, man, I'm I'm getting. Bold picking them to finish below Idaho just because I, I feel good about the Vandals this year, but I, I don't see no reason this team couldn't finish second or first. Honestly, I think I think Dan Hawkins has shown us that he can do that. So, yeah, yeah. So Brian, I mean, or sorry, Alex, you hit on it. Um, huge disappointment last year. Jake Mayermeyer was getting Walter Payton, you know, Offensive Player of the Year preseason stuff. Not only in the Big Sky and the entire FCS, really, really, really fell off. They were actually my. I was the one who gave them a first place vote in the FCS fans nation poll last year. I was that confident they were going to take that step from barely losing to Eastern Washington on some miracle comebacks 
um, to be able to make that next step and make the finals this year. Let Pat, you know, in 2019 did not happen. Absolutely did not happen. Now you're looking at this year. You brought up Dan Hawkins, Alma Mater. I, I think he is a good coach and he will turn it around. The problem is they really are very inexperienced at quarterback. Now what the UC Davis fans want, I have it from good sources are, they want, uh, what's this kid's name? It's the guy who started a couple games last year and I lost where I put him. But, uh, oh, there we go. Hunter Rodriguez. Hunter Rodriguez. Six games in two years. He went 12 for 22, one touchdown, two interceptions. He's a true junior, which to everybody that knows, he played in three games last year. He will probably start the season with a redshirt slap on him. He'll be a redshirt sophomore. She'll get a redshirt sophomore with six games under his belt. Not impressive, you know. One touchdown for every two interceptions, but that will improve uh, as it goes on. And if anything, the key to their season is if Alonzo Gilliam, who's a junior running back, can get another 1,200-plus yard all-purpose season with 12-plus touchdowns or more. If they improve, the jury is in. Jake Merrimeyer was a one-hit wonder. What? A lot of people think maybe Kevin Thompson would have been had he stuck around in the big sky this year. He was not going, he did not prove that he was the reason for UC Davis. The reason for UC Davis was Alonzo Gilliam had a way better season as a freshman than he did as a sophomore. He did not do bad as a sophomore, which is why UC Davis, as uh, Boatman touched on, played a really lo- a lot of really tough teams. They took you, they took North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome to the wire almost. They were a good team. They have Alonzo Gilliam, and the thing they were missing last year is elite wide receiver speed in the NFL talent of Keelan Doss. Uh, mm-hmm. You pair a great running game with a, some some talent on the outside, and they can have an average quarterback, a game-managing quarterback back there at UC Davis, and they can make the semis and almost make Frisco. That is what this is going to be. Can Hunter Rodriguez be – a game managing quarterback, and can they get that that transition to elite uh, from this team? They have the benefit. They have all Big Sky Conference linebacker in Nick Eaton on the defensive side of the ball. It should maintain, if not improve. The issue is, do they have the weapons outside to make that quarterback look more like what Jake Mayermeyer was in 2018 compared to what he was in 2019? If they do... Alonzo Gilliam will carry them there. They just need that threat to keep the holes open like a Keelan Doss. Is that Keelan Doss on the roster? I don't know. Dan Hawkins has been doing a lot of recruiting. We're going to see a lot of fresh faces at UC Davis. They are probably the toughest team you want to see on the schedule. And you touched on it, Boatman. It is coming down to Idaho and UC Davis at this three and four spot. I don't want to ruin it for whoever has the next pick. But they're both tied for the third toughest schedule this year. They both are the two teams that if they can pull off their schedule and come out maybe 5-1, and 6-0, and oh, they will be making the, call, or the FCS college football playoffs. The problem is it will only be one of them, and we play each other week two. So we will find out really quick which one of these teams is going to be. Week two, March 6th, is going to be a huge matchup. For if the Big Sky gets a third spot, a second at-large bid, it is most likely going to be one of these two teams and it's whoever handles their business the most, and they are basically tied going in. Same strength of schedule, 
basically both have question marks at new QBs, both have solidified running backs. It's what can they do with the other pieces around them? And that's that will be the interesting thing to watch. UC Davis and Idaho. I have UC Davis as a team that I think is right on the line of of I probably gambled them to underperform. They do have, you know, in their favor, we already referenced Alonzo Gilliam. They also have their top two receivers coming back from last year. Chris Vaughn led the team with nine touchdowns and 53 receptions and Lance Babb second, four touchdowns, which did not quite lead the team. I think the biggest loss for UC Davis is actually the offensive coordinator, Tim Plow, who is now joining Andy Avalos at Boise State. And the reason I, I bring that up is, Tim Plow is reputationally and relative to position coaches right now in the big sky or at that like caliber. He's really well thought of. He was in Northern Arizona from 2013, 2016, some of their better years. Yeah. Case Cookus was there, but uh, Case Cookus, the fresh, you know, the freshman who looked like he was, you know, a surefire draft pick. Yeah. That was playing under Tim Plow. When we interviewed Case Cookus, he actually referenced uh, losing Tim Plow to UC Davis being a pretty big disappointment for him. Jake Mayer's best seasons were you know, his two big seasons at UC Davis were under Tim Plow. And yeah, he was there last season when UC Davis underperformed. But uh, they had, again, we said they had an incredibly rough schedule. They're one of a few teams who looked competitive against North Dakota State. And I, I think in this abbreviated season, the same way we talked up coaching for Cal Poly, I'm going to bring the loss up of Tim Plow as something that I think is probably going to sting UC Davis, especially in yeah. this season where, again, there's, there's no tune-up games. If you are not ready to go week one, you're probably just not going to have a chance to make the playoffs. That, that to me is really my big – if I'm a UC Davis Aggie, it's is Cody Hawkins going to have a second act? Oh, man, I don't need to bring this up. Is he going to have a second act disappointing fans working for his dad? Um, if he's, if he's going to be set up for it, this is, this is what would happen. Yeah. Um, the thing about UC Davis, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of them last year, but I do remember when we played them down there in 2018. A, it was hot. B, it was tough to get there. But C, their offense, they ran at a really fast, up-tempo pace. They always had a next play ready to go. It gassed our defense, killed them. And so I just think about that, think about them losing plow. How is that going to affect? Is, is Cody Hawkins going to be able to keep that, that speed up? Are they going to keep that same up-tempo offense up? to keep the defense on their toes or is things going to slow down because they have a relatively new quarterback and uh, a new play caller. So, and you know, week two, I like us seeing in week two because I know we're going to be healthy at that point. So that's all I'm going to say about Idaho real quick. With the sixth pick choosing position number three in the 2021 big sky conference spring football preview draft, Chris Hammond selects. The Idaho Vandals. Um, this is a tough one. We'll spend a lot of time on them later. Uh, so I don't want to ruin next week's episode. I'll leave it at that. But I think Idaho finishes third. I kind of alluded to it. It's going to come down to Idaho versus Eastern for if the Big Sky gets three spots. I know this probably disappoints people because I'm usually the optimist. But I think this year I'm going to try to be the realist and see if I'm wrong again, and maybe we finish first or second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, three. I think, I think we have kind of seen right now, we have, we see a top four, maybe top three defensive in the conference. And we're kind of breaking up into those kind of tiers. Um, 
Seven Idaho week one and week <laughs> week eight will be will be huge in what happens with our season. Um, some question marks. We, we return a lot on defense, but there's some question marks on the offensive side of the ball, and we're going to get into that a lot next week. Paul Petrino back for his eighth year, though. It's tying a record for most seasons coach for the University of Idaho, and he's coached more games for the Vandals than anyone else. That's my little tidbit. And also, Cade Coffey, All-American punter and kicker. Always good to have back in the Dome. And Idaho plays five of our six games in a Dome this year. So look forward to that. Brian, quick takeaways. Don't really want to step on anything other than to say Idaho has a pretty rough opening first two weeks of Eastern Washington, UC Davis. If we can get out of the first two weeks one and one, I think fans should feel pretty good about where we're going. And I can tell you I am I'm ecstatic that yeah, like I'm gonna move I'm gonna reference the name real quick because we're not talking about forever. Finally moving on from Mason Petrino for a fan like me is fantastic. I'm ecstatic to see Mike Beaudry play. With the seventh pick, choosing position number two in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring Football Preview Draft, Brian Marceau selects Eastern Washington Eagles, which we actually have some news today out of Eastern Washington. So this may be a pick that, um, based off recent instability, is a this won't age well for disappointment, uh, which is Eastern Washington, really just today, uh, in the last couple of days, they've lost three position coaches. Heath, Heath Pulvert, special teams, linebackers coach, Josh Fetter, defensive line coach, Brian Stanley. Uh, unclear exactly why all those guys resigned, so there is some kind of weird instability. But a stability they do have that no one else has in the entire conference is Eric Berrier is coming back. He was a Walter Payton Award finalist last season and somehow was third-team all-big sky quarterback because that's just how good the league was last year. He's got to be Walter Payton shortlisted. Obviously, easy pick for MV, for at least offensive MVP of the league. That itself is a reason enough to have a lot of faith, faith in Eastern Washington. Still also have wide receiver Andrew Boston. He made, I think he made third team all, all big sky. Uh, he's, they, they have some returning talent at wide receiver in addition to Andrew Boston. I'm going to butcher this guy's names. Talolo, Limu Jones, 6'5". He's one of those guys who look who is on a big sky roster and you think, like, how the heck did he land here at 6'5 with that speed? But he is. Um, question for benefit for Eastern, too. They're not playing Weber State, which obviously is a pretty big deal. But huge question mark for them. Eastern lost a ton of guys from all, all big sky teams last year on the defensive end. I don't know exactly how they replace those, but not playing Weber State is a great way to soften that blow in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Eric Berrier, and this is kind of an interesting stat. You know, they've missed the playoffs two, two of the three seasons with Aaron Best and Eric Berrier being there together, which is kind of weird. I think uh, you know, they made they, the year they didn't make the playoffs, they went to the championship. So Eastern kind of seems to be the team who – they either hit it right and hit it perfectly, or they, you know, a couple things misfire here and there, and they don't quite make it. Like last year, playing Idaho, got their butts kicked in the dome. We all remember that. That was fun. Um, you mentioned defense there, Brian. A couple names to watch out for: back end safety. Some names that Vandals will be familiar with. I'm going to pull back one back from a decade ago. Callan Kreiner, <laughs> Mark Kreiner's son, is one of their starting safeties. Uh, Mark Kreiner, of course, the DC under Rob Akey, those good those good years back in the 
mid, um, late, early 2000s there. So, And then um, another one, voted a team captain by his teammates, a name that current Vandals are definitely familiar with, Ty Graham. Love Ty. Love T.Y. Um, Ty from Cheney came to Idaho, played a lot, played as a true freshman. You know, if people remember Lloyd Hightower, they should remember Ty Graham because they're kind of both in the same um, air of how much they played and how much they were, how important they were to the team in 2016 and 2017. Ty from Cheney, dad used to coach linebackers at Eastern. Um, Ty decided to transfer up to Eastern last season, sat out all of 2019 due to transfer rules. But I love Ty. Um, you want to go back home. There's that picture. There's Callan Croner right there on the screen. So, um, but familiarize yourself with 25 and with 18 on the defense side of the ball for Eastern. We'll be seeing them twice. Um, yeah, and hopefully, I told Ty today, I'm like, Ty, I hope you don't get knocked out this time you come back to the Dome. Um, because <laughs> one of the last games he played in the Dome, 2018, he, uh, he got knocked out twice and still ran off the field. So, yeah, Eastern, got to say the Vandals twice. And, that could be on all honesty, both teams could finish two and zero, or both or they could finish one and one. Don't know how that series is going to break. So this preview is not going to age well. I already know that. I just looking back, I I actually think I should have picked Eastern here, and that is going to upset some people. I get a lot of flack because I'm on the internet all the time bagging on Eastern just because I'm trying to make this thing something. This right now is not that. I will be a hundred percent frank with you guys. This is actually how I feel. I don't care what Eastern fans say. One, it's a lot like Jeff Choate when we were trying to do the BS, uh, the Big Sky Big Takes episode. I reached out to every single Eastern person I know, and not a single one of them has gotten back. I had somebody respond about UC Davis. I, how, I know one UC Davis person. How many Eastern people do we know? Not a single person has responded to me about kind of what their big takeaways, weaknesses, strength of improvement, and player keys are. Eastern is reeling. You don't lose three coaches this close to the season and expect to be great. They had the pieces in place. Chris Ojo was coming back uh, on defense. We touched on Eric Berry is back. But as Alex touched on, Aaron Best has had, and Brian Marceau, I'll give 100% credit to this stat, he has had a Walter Payton finalist quarterback all Three, four seasons he has been the head coach and has only been to the playoffs once. I mean, we'll see how this season goes. He's coming into his fourth, but it's going to be tough this year. I think it's time in Genie Land to start realizing I don't want to give them bullet board material. I'm this is 100% being honest. I'm not convinced this season is going to go how it looked just a few weeks ago. I think. They are losing pieces at a very, very crucial time. Eric Berry has been noticeably quiet during the offseason. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like You necessarily don't want your quarterback out there. But he's not out there rah-rahing. We have C.J. Jordan, who is sitting on our bench right now, who is more of a rah-rah guy. We have Mike Beaudry, who is out there being a rah-rah guy. And I'm not saying that's what you need from the quarterback position. But Eric Berry seems to be quiet. And one of his big concerns in Cheney is, is his leadership ability and having a fire under him. He just seems to lack that killer instinct of like, I'm pissed off. Let's go win this freaking game, which is how Idaho got out to a 28-0 lead against these guys. Like, I'm just, if I'm Eastern, I'm worried. All this news is coming out at the wrong time. I I actually think I screwed up. I'm going to be honest right now. Last pick, 
I actually think maybe UC Davis and Idaho finish higher than Eastern. And, and maybe that's news is fresh. It broke about 20 minutes before we went on the air. Yes, they have Eric Berrier. But they had Eric Berry last year, and they didn't make the playoffs. And they had a way better team last year, and they didn't make the playoffs. I know that was a fluke. Jacksonville State, Idaho. What's to say that it's not going to be a fluke this year? They don't have any. As we touched on, they don't have any. Is it, a fluke? Is, it, is, it, is it a fluke if it happens again? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or is it just they start slow? And, so and, we'll you know, and like you said, the thing is, I like Ty Graham. I just feel bad for Ty Graham that the last two times he will have played because he didn't play last year in the Idaho versus Eastern right Eastern Washington rivalry, he'll be 0-3. I think there's a shot Idaho sweeps him. So yeah, like, yeah, they could, or we could get swept. Who knows? That's, it that's, could. That's, it, also very true. So bring it all full circle. I could be totally wrong, and Eastern is right. just freaking fine, and they win the sky. This is no question a prove it year, even the weird year where, you know, some fan bases are probably going to throw an asterisk next to the spring and say like, look, it's weird. We're just happy. We're playing. Uh, We're we're approaching, we're approaching a prove it year for Aaron best that, you know, we referenced the Idaho game. I, I actually, I give essentially no credit whatsoever to Eric Berrier for that loss because he played great in the second half. It's really a coaching concern to me. We already talked about the turnover, and I, I really think Aaron Best at times, and we've we've heard Eastern fans talk about the commitment to trying to be 50-50 balanced is a bit brain dead at times. An example is what we saw against Idaho where really the Eastern tried to pound it for the first half and just got their ass kicked. Once they started doing, the again, the brain dead thing, the worst part of Idaho's defense was our secondary. A, I don't know. Idiot on idiot with a podcast or who contributes to a podcast might say, Hey, let's kind of attack the part they're not very good at. And when they did that, it worked pretty well. <clears throat> well, just lost a handful of coaches to the team. We have, you know, people that we know who talk about this stuff off the record saying Aaron Best is at times not the most fun person to work with. Maybe this is the year where we we find out that the reason Aaron Best looked good is he was Ryan Bo Baldwin's coattails. Kind of like, you know, Idaho did well at the end. Rob Akey did really well finishing up with Nick Holt and Dennis Erickson's players. He did not do so well when it was his guys. Maybe this is the time we find that out about Aaron Best. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with with this Eastern team talking about, I think there's some storylines there that we don't quite know what's going to affect them. Um, we know, we all know that they're not going to have any fans in the stands. We all question if Eastern was going to play because of Washington's COVID rules versus Idaho's COVID rules. Um, and also, Idaho had pretty much a spring practice in the fall. We practiced. They worked out together. Idaho pretty much had as normal of a routine as you can get. Eastern couldn't do that. Eastern couldn't practice and prepare. They've been pretty They've been pretty stagnant for the last year in terms of what they could do as a team together until practice right now. So they've been stagnant for a year. Their coaches just quit. They're not going to have any fans. Yeah, this Eastern team could easily disappoint. I, I mean, it's it's not within their own possibility at all. It, it, they could, and or we could be completely wrong. They could kick our ass. But I think what what needs is this Eastern team can go either way. And Eastern fans, if you're listening to this, don't just automatically assume you see your schedule. Oh yeah, we're the we might win the conference. We're really good. We're making the playoffs. Don't get used to that because I mean, I, I think we have we're optimistic about Idaho. I don't think we're completely brainwashed about what Idaho is going to be because we all know what happens when you're wrong, and we've been we've been sad the last few years. So, 
Yeah, I thought we were going to win the Big Sky in 2018, so yeah. I reeled it back. But Eastern does have the second easiest schedule, according to my secret super secret rankings. Got to see the Aggies and got to see the Vandys twice. Never good for them. I will put a button on the discussion. I, I, I hope our listeners enjoy us picking this team number two. And then halfway through the discussion, it's like, yeah, dude, they suck. <laughs> Eastern's second best in the conference. These guys are awful. This is the ultimate preview of the big sky. Like, you pick a team well, and you're like, oh, well, actually, they'll probably suck. And then, like we said, it was like, who was NAU? Or like, well, they could probably actually be really good, even though we picked them seventh. Yeah, those That's the big sky. Right now. Yeah. Surging. Surging. Yeah, surging. Yeah. Commissioner. That leaves just one. With the eighth pick, choosing position number one, the only team remaining in the 2021 Big Sky Conference Spring P- Football Preview, Commissioner Hammer is going to select the Weber State Wildcats. There are just a couple numbers to know that make Weber State the runaway choice for number one. 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 185 yards per game. That's what they got out of Jake Constantine last year. That is going to be so incredibly easy for them to replace with any quarterback on their roster that it makes all the sense in the world to name them number one. We'll kick it to Alex Boatman for his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is probably like a monkey could choose this one. I mean, it's Weber's got the they got a blessed schedule too. The toughest team, according to our rankings, they have to see is UC Davis. Um, they get to play the seventh worst team the eight twice. They get to play Iowa State twice. They get to play Southern Utah, and they also get to play Cal Poly and NAU. Um, they, Chris, I believe according to your super secret schedule rankings, they have the easiest schedule. I know you like yes. to bring that stat in. Yes. So, yeah, by a lot, yeah, by a lot. Um, Jay Hill, what a fantastic job he's done there in Ogden. And then also the quarterback situation. No more Jake Constantine. Bye-bye, Jake to Townsend. No, wait a minute. Now he's at – into Wazoo, too. No, wait a minute. No, he's at Rice now. Is that right? Wow. Right. Hey, I almost got a job at Rice. I came close. I was I almost moved to Houston before COVID. So Did that you would lose be, it to Jake Constantine? I might have, actually. He's probably a better quarterback. Yeah, probably. Um, but new guy coming in. We don't know who the starter is, but probably going to be Randall Johnson. Juco, uh, it's called four two four bounce back. Went to Middle Tennessee State originally, transferred Juco, then um, transferred to Weber State. That was their big quarterback get for the year. They are they, they also return they also return Josh Davis, first team All Big Sky running back, and then Jared is it Scheiss? Is that Sheese? Does anyone have a pronunciation? Sheese. Shy's first team yeah. all big sky at tackle. So the you get returned the best running back in the conference. You also theoretically get turned one of the best offensive linemen in the conference. Man, if you're a quarterback walking to that who can complete and do better than Jake Constantine, I don't know how they don't win all of their games. Um, Josh Davis, probably maybe the best player in FCS ball on the offensive, the offensive side of the ball, not a quarterback. So keep that in mind. Yeah, I'll keep mine brief. Uh, Fact of the matter is, for those out there that go boring, you went chalk. I'll give it to you. Yeah, they might not finish first. Uh, most of the time, the first place team doesn't 
Uh, Eastern Washington. They don't, they don't have a schedule like that, though, Chris. I, I, true. Right. Last year, Eastern Washington had the easiest schedule, and they did not make the playoffs. And we're projected, like, basically them and UC Davis were, like, the automatic choices to win the conference, and neither of them made the playoffs. That's it's all true. I'm saying. Uh, now, will that happen when we ever stay in a weird schedule like this? Probably not. I mean, everything's pairing up. They set the schedule originally when Eastern was supposed to be good. Eastern and Weber would be 6-0, and and they both make the playoffs. That was the obvious choice. Now, Weber's obvious thing is quarterback. They've got uh, Randall Johnson coming in from Middle Tennessee State. Now, quarterback is still a little bit unknown. It's not like he was a super stud at Mid-Tennessee. To succeed, they're going to see a little bit more from their tight ends, which, to be fair, might not actually even be that they need to perform better. It might just be that they're a hidden secret because Constantine was never hitting them up the seams. You also got to look improvement-wise. Wide receivers going to look a little bit better. Once again, is that because of the quarterback play or the wide receivers are better? Nobody knows. The big takeaway here I want everybody to know is senior wide receiver number 22, Rashid Shahid. With the losses of Samori Toure transferring out, Sammy Akem not playing, Jeff Cotton going to the pros, J.J. Kotsky from uh, Cal Poly going to the pros, Pierre Williams uh, from Sac State not playing, and Kevin Cassis graduating as well. You are looking at most likely the biggest breakout star at wide receiver in the conference this year, if not one of them, spoiler alert, sitting on Idaho and control Haywood. Don't sleep on Rashid Shahid. He could arguably be the best wide receiver coming into this spring season. If they've got a guy, Randall can get him the, jo- get him the ball. Weaver will be fine. This offense can't take a step backwards, and they're already knocking on the door to the championship. So defense barely lost any pieces. They're more likely to reload. Jay Hill is a great defensive mind. Weaver should be fine, but first place never seems to finish first place. Weaver still has just a ton of talent come back. We already covered their schedule. They, they'll sleepwalk to four wins with playing Southern, playing Southern Utah, Idaho state twice in Northern Arizona. Offensively, even though, they had everyone's favorite quarterback, Jake Constantine, who will live on forever on our show. Weber State was not that bad as far as a scoring offense last year, 34.6 points per game, even without being particularly inventive, even with their best running back, Josh Davis, missing a handful of games due to injury. They Weber had a their second running back, Kevin Smith. He was 13 all big sky. So I have a really they're one of the team few teams in the league that has kind of like Idaho where we have multiple running backs who would certainly start on multiple teams. Weber state probably has the best one, two punch in the league. Rashid Shahid, which uh, Chris mentioned him. The other thing about Rashid Shahid is he's the best. He's the best uh, kick returner, punt returner in the league. He Nick Romano was an all American. Yeah. Rashid Shahid didn't make it because of injury uh, at the end of last year. And teams just don't kick the ball to him. He he was essentially their Weber State's offense in their two FBS games last season, where they almost where they they hung they lost like seven to six or seven to zero to Nevada, and I don't know if it was San Diego State, but uh, Rashid Shahid was he had a kick return for a touchdown call back against Nevada. They would have won that game, but of course, the calling card for Weber is going to continue to be defensively their elite. They even with all the guys they graduated, they had a third team all big sky. Uh, George Tarlis, one of their defense, one of their linemen, nine sacks off the bench for Weber State. Wasn't even a starter, and he got nine nine sacks. 
So until further notice, the thing about Weber is w- with how strong they are defensively, they just don't throw away games the way other teams other teams can. So like in Eastern Washington, let's say that we talked about reservations about how they're actually how they're going to actualize their talent. Weber's got the talent, and just with how they are defensively, they don't they don't lose games that they shouldn't. And if they're marginally be- if they're marginally more inventive offensively, being able to actually go through the air, heck, they were still a mid-level offensive team anyway last year with one of the one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, quarterbacks in the league. So uh, again, I think this is a slam dunk. Yeah. All right, we're we're running along, so we're gonna go real quick. One word answers. Don't explain it. We'll put it out there for the people to prove us wrong. Stories to watch for you guys, Brian Marceau. Quarterbacks. Five new ones. Oh, sorry, six, seven new ones. Yeah. Bowen? Um, best of the rest outside of Weber. Who is it? And my my big story is going to be how many playoff spots does the Big Sky get? I think two losses puts us out. You're going to need probably one 6-0 and two 5-1 and one teams. Dallas? Uh, Bo Baldwin, can he start turning Cal Poly around immediately, or are they going to be terrible? Dar- a surging dark horse team, but Brian? Idaho Vandals. The only surging team. The Vandals. Vandals. Let's make it four for four. Vandals. (laughs) Surging. Uh, Who is going to win or share the Big Sky title? Weber wins. Bowman? Weber's one of the teams that wins or shares. Dallas? Absolutely Weber. Y'all have to wait for next week for my answer. Oh, all right. With that, we'd like to thank Around the Horn brought to, or sorry, Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. Hughes River Expeditions, needing a summer vacation, plans that even COVID-19 can't ruin. There's an option right in your back, right, right out your back door. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States for the ultimate form of social distancing. Hughes River Expeditions has fun first-class trips on the river since 1976. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the Salmon River Canyons, the Selway, or even special trips like the one to see the Perside Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, hike amazing trails, spot elusive wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and take in history all along the river's edge, and let HRE handle everything else. Hughes River Expeditions is vandal-owned and operated and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Taking bookings now through the 2023 season. Don't miss out. And check them out at HughesRiver.com or give them a call at 800-262-1882. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or HughesRiver.com. Time to close the bar. For everybody out there, how can they find you real quick? Me, I'm Chris underscore PM, and you can find Brian Marceau at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. You can find the two last namers, producer Dallas at Hammer Dallas, and Alex, the best of all time, Boatman at Boatman Alex. Men's and women previews will continue as we have the Battle of the Domes, or as we like to call it, the Battle for the King's Bud Trophy. We got... Four rivalry games in three days, kicking, tipping off Thursday and Saturday. Sorry to all the basketball people out there. Uh, that's not my strength. So make sure you check out Dallas and Brian shortly after the game. And then shortly after them, 
Martin with the women, and he will also be covering just broader sports in general as well as the women's basketball and his post-game previews going forward. Big news for those of you that have tuned in. Thank you so much for making it to this part of the episode. We want to make it worth your while. We have big news. Next week is the Idaho preview. And if you weren't excited enough about the Idaho Vandals preview for this amazing 2020 fall season that was moved to 2021, we have athletic director Terry Golick joining us next week for our preview episode First time on the show. I've heard she might bring us a gift. Um, so hopefully you tune in for that. We will uh, have her on for about 20 minutes in the beginning. And then we will be doing our normal fun show where we all just give out roundish takes that we'll all review at the end of the season. But hopefully you guys are all excited about that. With that, that is our show this week. I hope you feel that you have been previewed on the Big Sky, and I hope that you will tune in next week for us to preview on the Idaho Vandals with Athletic Director Terry Golick. With that, is the best time or the be- time for the best band in all the land, the Sound of Idaho, to play us out. Go Vandals! Go, Go Vandals! Vandals.